Did you guys know that Fifty Shades of Grey started out as Twilight pornographic fanfic? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, you did? I did know that, yeah. <laughs> I read that over someone's... I mean, I <laughs> you never read ever, that over someone's shoulder I read it over someone's shoulder. Yeah, I read it over someone's shoulder on the subway. <laughs> in like, because they had it like in the highest... It was on an e-reader. It was in the highest possible font. It was like three <laughs> or four words per page. And they're sitting down and I'm standing up and it's just... It was a oh, ride. I mean, God. that is that is some bad writing, and <laughs> it is they're describing. Wait, you talking about the fanfic or Fifty, or 50 Shades, Shades of Grey? Fifty Shades was the fanfic, and then she just changed the names from Bella and Edward to Mister Grey and like whoever, and and that's and then self published it, and it got such a like a huge readership that. But there's no vampires. I guess you in fan fiction you have a license. To be creative, license to steal, right. license to murder. Welcome to the show, everybody. <laughs> well, welcome, welcome, fellow robots and associated robot-related humans. Rebolsheviks. <laughs> Today we're not going to be talking about Twilight or uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. I think okay, Twilight just... could be on the list. <laughs> Science fiction. Oh, welcome, welcome to Robot House. I'm your host Asher Lack. With me are my co-hosts, Dr. Alan Sussman. Hello. And our lawyer, Raphael Ruttenberg, ESQ. Hey. Um, and today we're talking about Contact. Carl Sagan, you're fine. Robert Zemeckis, <laughs> you're dead. <laughs> you're fucking finished. For, for, for Carl at the end. You know. for, for Carl. It's like, yeah, it's like they, they like pan up to a twinkling sky for <laughs> Carl. And when, no, when, oh, shut up. <laughs> it wasn't supposed to be like this. <laughs> when I see the name Carl places, I just assume that it's like someone who works in a garage in West Virginia. <laughs> well, I just like, think of Carl from uh, Agua Teen. <laughs> that's yeah actually they should have spent it should have been for carl s <laughs> yeah. for carl from aqua Teen hunger force oh god yeah there is a lot to talk about yeah i want to start just by saying that this movie as a film was fucking terrible right <laughs> like there's a lot that's pretty bad about it yeah it i, I mean, found myself fuck i'm sorry i found myself enjoying it like sometimes and i think it's really just sort of the uh you know this this the same feeling. I I I liked this when I was how old how old were we when this came out? I think like sixteen, fifteen. No, we were younger than younger. that. Oh, maybe fourteen. This came out in ninety seven. Okay, ninety seven. We were in eighth grade and freshman right. year of high school, so right. fourteen. So, right. So we were thirteen or fourteen. I think I was probably thirteen. Okay, I enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, I remember liking it. Yeah, I remember yeah, liking it at the time. Yeah, I think. I mean, to me, there's nothing about the direction or the cinematography or any of the lighting or the characters the way they look or act that is worthy of being a movie like like we might as well have watched like an infomercial for tyvek it's it's that like just like nothing to me i don't know okay that seems a little hard the ideas in the movie are great like like the the concepts are fucking wonderful if you guys haven't seen it right it's 1997 uh robert zemeckis starring jodie foster and matthew mcconaughey who like he's kind of he was in it yeah, I forgot too. I, compl- I completely wiped that, but I remembered the very you know, really stuck in my memory. I guess this is what makes an impression on you at thirteen. Uh, is the uh, Gary Busey's son? Oh, I did oh, not know. G- yeah, Busey, yeah. baby. Yeah, Busey <laughs> Junior. <laughs> yeah, he's scary look. Yeah, 
Oh man, he is fr- not but, really acting so much in this. <laughs> just looking, looking weird. Um, but there is something I wanted to say about this movie, which is <clears throat> just um, I mean, we did Interstellar last week, and uh, and it seems like Contact is actually kind of like the Interstellar of that time period in in the sense that they're both movies that you know people who were very nerdy kind of and, and into, into science kind of heralded as being very accurate. Uh, scientifically at the time and um both like you know advised by like big scientists yeah i mean you know uh contact you know obviously is an adaptation of a carl sagan right. movie yeah. and then so. yeah and then he advised on it although he died during the making so okay. it's unclear yeah. like if he would have approved everything that went in a little bit like uh ai and stanley kubrick yeah oh god we're gonna have to watch kubrick. that sometime we're gonna have to watch that. Actually, can I just say it's one of my earliest memories of like turning off a movie without finishing it. <laughs> just like I can't do it. So uh, oh no, I just want to go back to what Alan said because like that, that actually shook me a little bit right then when you said it, and I got a cold chill <laughs> because I don't want Interstellar to be Contact. I think I really believe Interstellar is, despite many thematic similarities. Mm-hmm. I do not want Interstellar to be a shitty movie that we just don't realize how shitty it is because yeah. it just plays to, you know, these sort of ever-evolving taste distinctions that we've been sort of led to believe are good. So maybe at Contact at the time, you know, in the context of other movies that were even schlockier, you know, I mean, like you, ha- like Baby Geniuses Two came out the <laughs> same year. So I should not know if that's true or not. Um, so uh, you have like it's just like surrounded by garbage. So you know you're led to believe <laughs> yeah. the critical consensus, the zeitgeist leaves you to believe that this is like a good movie, but it's really horrible in retrospect. I don't want that to be true mm-hmm. of Interstellar. I really do feel like, in some objective sense. And objective objective analyses of taste are obviously very fraught, and I'm not. I don't want to get into that today. Oh, really? It's a good but, thing Sam's not here. Yeah. Then. <laughs> well, you know, whatever. So, I mean, uh, what's fucking, even read, truth, man? Uh, read, read, read fucking yeah, <laughs> read fucking critique of judgment and get back to me on this shit. I'm sorry to pull that, but like, <laughs> just like, just have other than your most fucking knee jerk, you know, like. <laughs> unleash oh the beast right? let, let, let them have it it's, it's, instead of thinking that just because you think it it's philosophy maybe just try and like <laughs> read a book read a book you know go back and like look at this like try and expand you know your critical horizons a little bit and that's not sam this is everybody no yeah i would just like fucking you know sam is equipped to kind of tackle to, a lot of these yeah, things to, he's to, just to, truculent right. about everybody else i know i understand that <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, oh my God, it's just, it's, it's absurd. Just because you happen to have an opinion on something doesn't qualify, doesn't make you, uh, doesn't give you expertise on it. Those are two different things. I'm not claiming to have any expertise. I'm just saying like, no, I try, you gotta try, right? It's all about trying. Yeah. It's about trying. It's about, yeah, I don't know. I was, I was thinking back to like, anyway, we're, we're getting a little in the weeds. I mean, you know. I wasn't saying that they were the same movie the in, weeds of in, life. in many. In, I mean, they're not similar in many respects. I think, but they're just they're just similar in that way that they both were kind of heralded at the time for scientific accuracy. Oh yeah, definitely. And I think that was part of the reason that we we decided to put this one on the schedule, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah I think that's why we thought of it last time. Yeah. 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 I mean, like broadly, I mean, we haven't done a plot breakdown yet, but broadly, the strokes of the 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 plot are are similar. You know, you have the um. 
well, I think the the structural similarity between the two is that they're both about the sort of amount of time and rigor and difficulty that like any actual real scientific advancement takes, right? Like that's, I mean, am I wrong in saying that? Like that's what to me was, was really the through line of both of these is like these movies are about kind of, I don't know, Alan, like how not boring, but like <laughs> how, how it's like you're going to sit and buy a computer for a decade to hear like some um. random space noise you know, similarly, you're going to like sit in orbit for 25 years around like the planet with super gravity to find out if like you can grow a plant there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That that was the, the sort of through line to me. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I can see that. Like part of being scientifically accurate is just saying like, hey, you know, it's not all like a Hollywood movie, right? Where it's just like constant beats and everything progresses really quickly. Like there are going to be slow parts. There are going to be really slow parts. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of a consequence of, of having to be accurate and or trying to be accurate. I also think that Interstellar does a better job of scientific accuracy huh. than Contact does. Um, and a yeah. better job of dramatiz- dramatization. I mean, like, yeah. arguably, I thought it was a much better movie. I, yeah. I think, like... Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. Oh, I mean, it's. I think it's just it's better in, in, in so many ways that yeah. it's, you know, it, it, it's hard to compare the two. But definitely because there are superficial similarities again it 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 just bothers me that's like fuck am i wrong about interstellar like am i flipping? oh <laughs> it's just this like always like recurring self-doubt about about your judgment you know yeah i feel you but just, i don't think you're wrong about interstellar i think it's actually will will revisit it as at least a decent movie yeah right just the soundtrack is so good oh the soundtrack was so good and the soundtrack it. to contact it's is fucking so, is garbage i put so that intru- in my notes <laughs> so intrusive I, I put Spielberg level nonsense music Treacle. equals trash. <laughs> Treacle. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, whoever composed this music, like soaring strings, fucking flutes. Go apologize to your parents for sucking. Yeah, like, I know. It's it's ha- it's total hack stuff. Yeah, I, yeah really I embarrassing. Mean, it, it was like Clint you Eastwood level make, garbage. You know what? You know what? And this is my, my <laughs> yeah, right. It's just like. <laughs> Feel this. Feel this fucking emotion. Yeah, yeah exactly. Daddy, and, daddy stuff. Well, I mean, that was like what people felt like they had to do at the time, I, I feel like. Yeah, well, Didn't and they? yeah, I think... To again, make a make a big blockbuster movie? I don't know, maybe. I Yeah, I think that there's a lot of sort of conceits to... You know, again, this goes back to something that Raph said before we get to the plot breakdown, but this idea that Raph said that has stuck with me for a while, and it's like kind of speaking of things that like chill you and like haunt your, your nightmares... When I think maybe it was like the Matrix episode or we were talking about the idea of skepticism and you were like sick of people being sort of like skeptical for skepticism's sake and, and your, your sort of defense of it was, I guess you were getting mad about people believing in conspiracy theories. And, and what you said was because it's hard to formulate a worldview. That is a challenging thing to do, to ask questions of yourself and the way that you interact with the world and say like, hey, you know, what things do I believe? What things do I not believe? Why do I believe them? That's like a very challenging process. And to me, this movie m- made none of those choices. It was like completely unexamined. Yeah, it sort of, it just abdicated that responsibility. Yeah. Um, anyway, I don't what know. Do you, I, what do you mean? Or maybe, yeah. Well, I, I just mean like, you know, it's like, oh, you like this is an emotionally important moment. So let's put some strings on it. It was just like, it, uh-huh. there was nothing about it that was like, actually like, Hey, how would one make this moment feel impactful? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm, the themes are, are interesting though. Like, Oh yeah. That's, that's right. the thing is like, 
you know, it's almost like a like a steak. It's like you could have just served right. it. You could have put it on a grill for two minutes and served it to me, and I would have loved it. Like the ideas behind this movie are yeah. outstanding. I mean, basically, it's like Carl Sagan wrote a good book. Yeah, right. And then it was adapted, and the adaptation is crap, but it borrows <laughs> stuff from the good book. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> have we hated on the movie enough so far? I, I yeah. think yeah, there were I, things I liked about yeah, it. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I. I I don't. I don't really agree with you guys and how much you guys seem to hate it. <laughs> well, I enjoyed watching. I think that it. there are parts that are like huge flubs, you know, and where you really roll your eyes. But I don't know. I I, I roll my. I just just get it off my chest, and I don't even think we need to get into this. Just the sort of stilted philosophical exchanges. Oh, I found God. those very difficult to deal yeah, with. Yeah, I, I put. Just, <laughs> I, I just didn't. I that 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 more than anything else took me out of the movie. I'm just like you know. What are we spelling out for this audience? Like, does the audience like? Are we? Do you assume that the audience is so naive, <laughs> so not aware of anything, you know, historically, philosophically, scientifically, that you're gonna like serve them up a like dime, you know, a ten cent version of the most broad of like this uh you know science this science versus religion dialectic and i really thought it was it just floundered in that and that it was a theme and i actually did read this book too i think right around the same time i think maybe just before the movie came out and um yeah i really um you know i was really into aliens and uh and i thought that the book definitely dealt with that issue i mean sagan is sort of like known for being a skeptic or you know mm-hmm. agnostic atheist i'm not sure and i think the book dealt with it much better than i that's my memory right. anyway than this yeah i think this movie also kind of um really thought it had to simplify a lot of things for the audience in yeah. a way that you know movie like interstellar like i people have sort of realized in the past 10 years or something i feel like that you don't necessarily have to talk down to the audience exactly right? That seems to be something that's happened like more recently. Yeah, and I, I wonder. I mean, it feels like a function of the internet, where it's like, okay, if there's something that you say that I don't understand, I can always look it up, hmm. and like that's something that we never used to do. Nobody would be like, "Let me go to the library." <laughs> you know, they'd just nobody. be like, "Yeah, this is stupid." Yeah, nobody ever went to libraries, and now it's like, well, I have the library in my pocket, so like, yeah, you were talking about, you know. Uh, whatever like Fibonacci sequences and I can just type that into my phone and now I understand what it means and why yeah. it's significant something that I hope to accomplish when over the course of taping this podcast I think is reasonable is to establish definitively whether or not extraterrestrial life exists of course yeah we'll get we'll do that <laughs> the, yeah. I, I think stay the answer tuned. is yes 100% <laughs> stay tuned how study. the fuck do you think I got here right. <laughs> all right <laughs> Um. Yeah. Hang on. One second. You ready, NASA, for this shit? <laughs> <laughs> this we're, is we're the gonna tag, tape. We're gonna tag you on Twitter. All right. Should we do a plot breakdown? Let's, Break it down. Let's do it. So, so basically, Jodie Foster plays um a scientist who's obsessed with searching the skies for its SETI search for extraterrestrial life or search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Right. So, yeah. Supposedly, actually, based on a real person at SETI. Mm. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Fo- Fody Joster. <laughs> yeah. So so Jodie Foster plays uh, like a SETI scientist who's, you know, obviously she's not taken seriously in the scientific community because they kind of frown on looking for aliens. Um, and she's buying time on sort of various extraterrestrial Ar- telescopes. Arecibo, Arecibo yeah. yeah, is the first one. And then she buys some time on the... The very large array. 
Yeah, which in I, New Mexico. Thank you. Yeah, they they also allied like sexism, or maybe they don't necessarily, but it's sort of like they soft pedal it, where it's just like, oh, because she's just like weird. She's into aliens, and they don't really. And yeah, she's like also really, the, she's also like the only woman in the entire movie who's who has a speaking role. Yeah, they yeah. never really address. Sexism. I, I found her to be really unpleasant to watch. I don't know. Did you guys feel that way? Is it, I, yeah, is but it I, a personal bias? No, I think th- I think that's sexist. No, I think that it, she's supposed to be a little like weird. She's definitely... Yeah. She's supposed to project weirdness. Yeah, and, and she does yeah. that. And I mean... She's very... Yeah, I mean, they talk about how like sort of like curt she is. And yeah. Yeah, so... Oh, she, she also has a tryst with uh, Palmer Joss, uh, played yeah. by Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. It, Just which, strange... It, I, their chemistry plot choice was yeah, the pl- okay, yeah. <laughs> was yeah. grotesque. I was, I was just like, oh, I don't want to think about. <laughs> I, I don't know. Is again like all right, all right, all right. Yeah, and it, so Matthew McConaughey plays this like religious dude who's down in Puerto Rico. Like, I love God. All right, all right, all right. Houses. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> I knew I wasn't alone. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great McConaughey. This is like rivals my John McCain <laughs> impression. Know, it's really fucking terrible. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so he plays like a religious, like sc- scholar. He, yeah, well, he's a, g- a guy who was in theolo- theology school. And, he was in and seminary. Actually, se- yeah, right. And, and then he drops out to like dro- go yeah. do Christian De- good in the world. Devry Semita- Semin- <laughs> Seminary. <laughs> right. Devry Seminary. And then he's Academy. like, I dropped out to go like save orphans oh, and <laughs> god in Kuala Lumpur she's like um, I want to get out of here yeah yeah exactly, exactly she's like that sounds great one penis please <laughs> um yeah yeah so they bang it out and then and then she doesn't want to yeah then she, she pieces him out immediately she, she ghosts them yeah she ghosts the shit out of him which I forgot about pre cell phone a, ghosting they keep giving a company a Cracker Jack. First of all, he's Which, eating Cracker Jacks. <laughs> it reminded yeah, me. Where the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck is up with this guy? <laughs> you know, please, please call in right now of to me. my phone, my cell phone, any listener, and tell me if you were if you're <laughs> were meeting somebody <laughs> under basically any circumstances, and you found them attractive, and they're eating Cracker Jacks, <laughs> and they gave you the Cracker Jack prize. Would you ever fuck them? <laughs> yeah, that is basically their interaction. He's right. like, yeah, I'm really into religion. And she's like, well, that's a bunch of malarkey. And he's like, hey, I found this compass in my cracker jacket. She's like, and she's like it. it'll save your life someday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It crazy. doesn't, which is terrible <laughs> foreshadowing. Yeah. Wait, it does totally save right. her life. No. The compass? It doesn't it does. save her life. It does. She just... We can get up to it. Wait, because okay. it, it goes out of her hand. She gets out of the chair to get it. And then the chair gets sucked up into that to the ceiling or something. So if she were on the chair, she would have died. I think that's the idea. Oh, really? That's a great... No, I don't think the, so. Yeah, that's I don't a think great the, visual. <laughs> we're getting crushed in the end. Like we go through this whole movie and then what we're going to get into it. So essentially, you know, it cuts to like 20 million years later and uh, she's still scanning the skies, finding nothing. Matthew McConaughey, meanwhile, has become like a famous religious scholar who is... Uh, an advisor to President Clinton, which I would kind of love because I was like, I could see them both like eating Big yeah. Macs and reading jugs together. You know, like, and you know, you know, hey, when this, man, you know, this, this movie, came, you know what happened after this movie? Oh. The Clinton presidency. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which again, this is something whenever I watch or read any kind of culture from the 90s or essentially that like pre 9-11, I, I read the corrections kind of recently and this hit me so hard. It's like just how fucking quaint their concerns are about like what 
the problems of the world actually are. Mm-hmm. It's like something feels like around 2003, it became very clear that the bad guys won. And like, you know, the Mr. Show complaint of like, you know, this corporate Starbucks shit is like wrecking my art that I'm making. It's like, oh, that's what you're worried about? Get out of here, you fucking wank. I don't know. Yeah, we're on year 18 of losing 9-11. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, it's just like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then the prize is no health care for anyone. Go right. die in the streets, you peasant. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, I don't know. So yeah, yeah. for them to worry about yeah, like, it's like yeah, it's if the like, government takes this over, there's going to be no room for creativity. And it's yeah. like, oh, well, at least it isn't a child concentration camp. Like, yeah, exactly. You know? Fuck. Uh, anyway, it's yeah. Like, does this maverick, uh, you know, Jesuit renegade have the ear of the most of the leader of the free world? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is the president a member of the clan? Oh God. Yeah. So, uh, are we going to cut all that? No. I don't know. No. Cool. Don't cut all that. <laughs> all right. No. That'll be in. It's okay. Like, Is the president going to send intellectuals into a concentration camp, <laughs> Pol Pot style? <laughs> yeah. Stay tuned. Yeah. Take <laughs> off your glasses, everyone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh God! Yeah. At which point, I guess we'd probably get a buzz like, cut and gain some weight to fit in. <laughs> yeah, like third on that list. Oh shit. Okay. So so then, essentially, the movie fast forward. Matthew McConaughey is this great spiritual advisor, and Jodie Foster is still searching the skies for like the next X Files like B plot. Um, and when she gets contacted by or she finds this message, <laughs> so they translate the message, and uh, it turns out to be a rebroadcast of the first thing that humans have broadcast into space with a sort of other message attached. And uh, without getting too hard into it... Also, there's like um, the signal that they hear is like bum, 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 bum. Oh, it is a Fibonacci sequence. Oh, it's primes. How did you Uh, feel when they had to explain prime numbers? Uh... I, I don't yeah I don't remember that part. I mean they do it pretty fast, right? Yeah, they they sort of pause like it's just like you know she's like and it's in prime and like you know ostensibly like the director of national intelligence is there. He's like, what's a prime number? What is what kind of put it? <laughs> what in, kind of in, devil in, number in, is that? In, in English, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she's that like, was, oh, it's numbers that are all, all integers that are only divisible by themselves in one. He's like, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah cool. I, oh yeah i, I learned uh, that when i was uh shooter. seven yeah i forgot I that forgot. From like, shooter <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> somebody call Pol pot we have another intellectual in the crowd <laughs> um yeah you probably did that now to like uh like who's, a maggot chud who's um who's the director national security director uh, i don't know Cabinet <laughs> like, position. i don't know like I'm fucking the Hamburglar. <laughs> like, I, don't what, I don't know, Wario. Like, Jesus. Oh, seriously. It's <laughs> just like, yeah. Stalin's <laughs> ghost. Yeah, National Security <laughs> like we're Director. Digging in, yeah. Mr. Sinister Ste- from the Steve- X-Men. Steven Seagal. <laughs> hey, guys. Uh, let's go kill Osama bin Laden's corpse again. Glimmer yeah. man. Yeah, so, so they translate the message. And, you know, without getting too in the weeds on it, this sort of rogue scientist-y brilliant guy played by john hurt who's secretly been also underwriting yeah also a billionaire yeah he's basically a founder of something like amazon or some proto amazon type thing was right. the impression that i got i didn't i don't think we got any impression kind of look like jeff bezos yeah like. <laughs> yeah with that like fucking ridiculous bald cap 
Um, that was John Hurt, really? That was John Hurt. Yeah. I know. I didn't wow. realize it either until I looked it up, and I was like, oh. Wow. I'm reaching for my phone. Yeah, you'll always be my Caligula, John. This you know, billionaire, eccentric scientist translates the message before the government is able to, and he sort of teams up with Jodie Foster or tells her that she's the one who's sort of responsible for this thing, and they realize that the machine or that the message is sending them schematics to build a machine yeah there's like a third message yeah just schematics yeah yeah which and how realistic is that yeah so i looked i looked into that um because in the book it makes more sense there's like the first signal that earth sent into space right which is like hitler opening the the (laughs) munich games (laughs) in 1932 or something like that that's that's got it that's so imaginative i love that yeah that That i thought that was so yeah the first great. signal that we beamed yeah that was amazing yeah. i totally agree um, and that happens to be hitler opening the munich games i think yeah. that's that's very imaginative i really like that that uh <laughs> yeah yeah i know no, it's cool Go on. so so the sound that you hear initially like the prime numbers that's an amplitude modulation of the of the radio wave right so you listen to radio waves at a particular frequency right, right? So the sound of the prime numbers is an amplitude modulation. Basically, means like it's getting bigger or smaller. But the um, the Hitler uh, video is a um, modulation of the polarization of the wave. In other words, a radio wave you can think of it as having like a um, a certain amplitude and phase in one dimension, and then a certain amplitude and phase in like the dimension perpendicular to it, like the x and y axes, basically. Right. Oh, okay. And if those are out of sync in a certain way, <clears throat> like basically by ninety degrees in the phase then it'll look like it's rotating the wave is rotating in one direction huh it, as you're looking as it's coming towards you if you're lo- looking at it when it's coming towards you and if you you know put it out of phase in the other way then it'll look like it's rotating in the other direction so then you can modulate between those two uh ways of uh polarizing in order to send additional information yeah in to the encode wave. other information in the yeah. wave. that's so that's like that's what they do in the book and then what they do is that the really big signal is like the Hitler video. And then when they find that, they then pull that out. And they find that there's a smaller signal that's also in the polarization. And that's the schematic. Yeah. And the, in the movie, the schematic is, it's the frame rate of the Hitler video is off, which I th- thought that was kind of interesting and oh, technically accurate it? as well. Right. It's like... Because we're supposed oh, there's to frames in between the frames or something. Yeah, because we absorb like film or like the human eye absorbs information at 24 frames a second, or like that's the best accuracy of of how our eye sees things, and that's why like TV cameras look strange because they're actually running at 30 frames a second, and that's how you tell the difference, or you used to be able to tell the difference between video and film, um, like that that different quality, that different look. A lot of it was frame rate. Mm-hmm. Anyway, whatever. That's like some nerdy shit. Uh, at least so that's is that what my, they say in the book that it's like between the frames or something? Yeah, it's at like every third frame or yeah. something like that in the movie. I didn't read the book, but every third frame, I think, or okay. something like that, was a sort of a blank thing, and then there was encoded information in that, and they had to. So why why are old timey movies so herky jerky and people running around so quickly? I think that just has to do with like that's how just people walk back then. Yeah, exactly. Everyone had rickets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dateline. <laughs> you know, it's funny because like 
ragtime it goes very well with that so i'm just wondering if that's <laughs> yeah. people, and, the, and those stupid know, fucking like, hats <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I, th- I think it just has to do with like yeah. camera technology and and like i think it took yeah, public a public service time. announcement guys don't do the hats don't do the old-timey hats yeah it's it's just you, you if you're wearing a boater hat you're a schmuck boater hat uh any kind of trilby fedora i mean this sounds obvious I right now love but just like you have to really elevate everything to a degree i'm just gonna say you're not capable of 99.9 percent of the people who dress are not gonna be able to elevate their entire wardrobe like you know you to know accommodate I mean? wearing it's a like, fedora yeah you, it's like you have <laughs> you're not going to be able to get clothes tailored to the point where the fedora accentuates them you're just not going to be able to do it i'm yeah. sorry no or if you do you're going to look like a mentally ill person yeah <laughs> like you yeah. know you're gonna it's like what the fuck is wrong with that person who's paying that much money <laughs> to look like a victorian ghost right i mean there's still there's still like absolutely room for people to wear tailored clothing now even in like ostensibly casual uh you know circumstances like world of sweatpants shitheads yeah i mean you could you can go out um athleisure you could go out to a restaurant wearing a suit it's not that weird i do it i don't know yeah um, you do it yeah on like nice occasions carolyn and i will go out and i'll wear like a tie and a jacket really yeah if we go to the theater or something suit. like that, <laughs> yeah, my, my chindo, <laughs> chindo. <laughs> my, my cod piece that says, I love you, dad. Oh my God. Daddy's, um, daddy's little, <laughs> <laughs> daddy's little monster. <laughs> daddy's little Boy. Brazilian princess. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, great. We're, we are 45 minutes in and this, and is, it feels like 45 hours. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. So the schematic tells them how to build a machine. There's a lot of... And I'd say the bulk of this movie is taken up by basically arguments between three sets of idiots. And I would say until they build the machine, the machine takes them to aliens and and whatever. But on their way to building the machine, there are arguments between three sets of people, I would say. Right? It's like religious nut jobs, scientist assholes... And militaristic fucking ghouls who think that everything is a weapon and we need to weaponize other weapons. Yeah, I, I, I did think that like Rob Lowe's character, who is like some sort of like Jerry Falwell, Ra- Jerry Falwell, Ralph Reed type, like radical Tony religious. Perkins. Yeah, he's he, he's like what what you know he just like has this like very like inarticulate um objections to the project he's like well, yeah, we yeah, don't yeah. know anything why is why are we doing this we don't even know if these aliens believe in god yeah. and it's just like <laughs> it's so moronic but my reaction was initially like okay you know this is more of the sort of same uh you know like uh, super simplifying and just like reductive take on every aspect of this like debate between science and religion i put yeah. in quotes but then i was like no that's pretty close to verbatim what <laughs> a lot of people would say like yeah, he was pretty good i yeah, mean he no, no intelligent lines, person would have the conversations that matthew mcconaughey and jody foster would have it's like you know sophomore year of high school yeah exactly. like you know like very very just like have you ever considered that maybe we're you know that science can't provide every answer it's like that sort of shit but then though but then with stuff rob lowe said i was like i i think that's probably reasonable 
Yeah. <laughs> that's that's fact. Someone would say that. Someone would just be like, do the aliens even believe in God? Do they, you know? Yeah, it's, it's like, if you have an alien, what does that mean about Jesus? Right. It's like, I don't know. Yeah. At, I, thought th- I thought the way that people reacted to uh, realizing that there were aliens was um, a bit over the top, right? Yeah. But they were exaggerations of the way I think feel like people would, would react. Right? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I feel like the whole... I think people would definitely be over the top. Yeah. I think, you know, there was also that scene where they see all the... She sees all those cults or like different different people who are outside of the... Um, the very large array. It's hard to underestimate the shock in the cultural shock. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's like, I don't think there's any precedent for that. I don't think there's any precedent at all. I mean, like, you know, dropping atomic bombs, maybe that's one thing. Um, You know, the fall, I don't know, fucking fall of Constantinople, the fall of Baghdad to the Mongols. I, I don't fucking know. Yeah, There's I like don't. Well, n- 9-11, I think, would be like a kind of... Roughly. Do you think we would just start like eating each other if like we saw an certainly alien people spacecraft? Would, certainly people would... We saw an alien spacecraft, so there's like a big qualitative differences between if what happened in contact, which I think is like... So, okay, I do not think that spacecraft is like a way to get around... I just, my very, very minimal understanding of space travel is like interstellar travel, never mind intergalactic travel, is I think close to impossible. Yeah. I mean, Alan, what do you, yeah, thoughts on that? Yeah, what do you think? I just, I just, my, you know, the little bit that I've Mm -hmm. like, I remember having this realization actually. I won't actually talk about, because I will make a fool of myself if I try and explain this, but having the realization that just like, just in terms of like the most elemental physics of, near light travel and you know the amount of time and, uh, and the distance between different points that one would go and the rendering the whole light like sort of like star trek idea of like shooting between all these places and coming back to one place and it not being like 20 centuries in the future is wrong i mean just like that that doesn't exist you can't zoom around outer space like you're like you know in like uh you know like a fast car zooming around uh you know, you know, yeah, because the deserts of the American West. Yeah, because time would actually have to like stretch to accommodate the fact that you can't move. Information can't travel faster than the speed of light, right? That's the speed at which things happen. Right. It's like, I mean, Alan, is that? Are we both apes when we talk about this? And you look at us and you're howler just like, monkeys. <laughs> you're just like, oh. should I have stopped you guys earlier? <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh, the dogs are barking <laughs> up a storm today. No, I mean, um, you know. The simple answer is that things can't go faster than the speed of light. And there's no, I mean, there's no real, um, you know, laws of physics reason why things can't go close to the speed of light, right? Now, like material, you know, materials would have to withstand a lot of, uh, you know, stress, I think, in order to do that. And and you need a lot of energy to do it. Right. So those are both reasons, but it's conceivable that you could go close to the speed of light, I guess. And... Um, and then if you could do that, I mean, you know, in the movie Vega is what, 20, 26 light years away? Something like that. So yeah. so it's close, right? So like if you could go f- close to the speed of light, you could get there in um, in Earth time, you know, close to 26 light years, 26 years. Right. Right. And then come back in 26 years. So it would only take you like 50 years, um, you know, it'd take you longer because you couldn't really go exactly the speed of light. Right. For you, it would be very little time. 
right because right? you're traveling at close to the yeah. speed of light yeah, yeah. Uh, and they, I mean, they say that in the movie. Wait. Like he, they go over, th- they go through that in the movie. Uh, in the movie, they go through a wormhole, right? Twenty six right, light years from whose perspective, though? I guess from I'm us, from from the people, from the people on Earth. It but, would be, but it takes. Oh, but it takes. But the light traveling takes twenty six years. Yeah. yeah, from the sun so to Vega. So uh, traveling close from to the Vega s- to us. It's from Earth to Vega or Vega to Earth, which is the same. Yeah. yeah. Fine. Okay. So the light is. Something traveling along with the photons of light. Mm-hmm. Does it take that twenty six years? Takes twenty six years from our perspective on yeah. Earth, yeah. yeah, stationary perspective. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. does do you guys see why I'm confused? Does this make sense? Oh, because the light, the photons of light are traveling. It is photons right? I didn't make that up. Yeah, it's it's photon torpedoes. torpedoes. <laughs> yeah, thanks. yeah. Photon tuxedos. <laughs> Photon Doritos. <laughs> Episode title. Photon Doritos. Okay. Oh, um, like a good flavor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, guess shit. what I'm not doing today? Oh, watching the Super Bowl? Yeah, I am not doing that. Oh, yeah, that's happening today. I forgot about that entirely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we know what podcast we're part of. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, who our listenership is. Yeah. You know, the commercials are the worst part. I don't okay so whatever I was talking about a couple minutes ago <laughs> realizing that interstellar travel isn't particularly viable. Yeah, I don't remember where I was going with that what, to be ba- honest. Uh, you were basically saying like yeah, interstellar travel is not it's not that it's not feasible, it's totally feasible, but it's like given the vast size of the universe, it's highly unlikely that we would ever by chance encounter any kind of alien intelligence it's it's just not yeah, something no, yeah that i just so okay right so given our like, current understanding of how one could travel through how would yeah how would we react mm-hmm. to different forms of evidence of extraterrestrial intelligence um a spaceship showing up you know fucking independence day or district nine style yeah. would i think cause people to shit a lot more than getting a signal yeah, which and reasonably so. I think Stephen Hawking was the one who said basically he was like, "Yeah, if aliens ever show up here, it's because they're here to take over." Like, right? They're no, they're really. on a colonist ship. He was like, "There's yeah. no reason that they would leave whatever place they're from to come to some other place unless they really needed a place to live." I think that's reasonable. Hmm. Yeah, and also I just don't I just don't get the impression that like interstellar space spaceship travel is like a a. a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like viable, um, you know, practical way of moving around. No. You do things through, you know, light speed but communication, like radio well, waves. Well, well or communicating, or photon but if, if you want to actually get somewhere. Yeah, I think, and who wants to get somewhere? <laughs> well, yeah, you can communicate faster than life or light. And that's the thing that's, I mean, independent what? of this movie. Well, we talked about this before. Cause like, if you had, <laughs> like, there's the theory of the Ansible or Ansible. It's in Ursula K. Le Guin's books, but I think it's been scientifically theorized before. Yeah, uh-huh. Like if you, quantum entanglement? Yeah, exactly. I mean, Alan, you can explain it better than me. Again, like the Howler monkeys versus an actual scientist. Yeah, you can um, entangle two particles and then so that their quantum states are, um, you know, related. Like, uh, and then you can move them very far apart and then what can happen is you can observe one and collapse it into a certain state. And then the other one will also automatically collapse simultaneously, independent of how far apart they are, right? Right. It's unclear how you could transmit information in that way. 
Well, you could, you know, I mean, when I talked to Sam about it, and again, Sam is the coder. Well, you are too, but uh-huh. you can use the quantum states to say, okay, if it's in state X, then it's uh, a zero, and if it's in state Y, it's a one. But you're not controlling how the quantum state collapses, right? Then you it's could a also function of observation, like you just observe it, and then it collapses into a quantum state. Oh, and you could, oh yeah, I guess, and so you can't really say like, oh, these ones are collapsed and these ones are uncollapsed, and therefore that's the zeros and ones because no, okay, so I don't know. You're, no, you don't know what's collapsed and what's not collapsed, right? Because by observing it, you're collapsing it. Yeah. Okay. You, yeah. You know what state it's in, but you're not. I mean, I could be wrong about this. Okay. It's like pretty speculative. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's, yeah. Yeah. Our quantum computing it's people. Quantum. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's complicated stuff, but tweet at us. But like, I mean, you collapse the wave function, but then you, you, you can't really, con- you can't control how the wave function collapses. So, right. So I, I don't know how you can transmit information like that. Okay. Fair enough. So yeah. yeah. Cause that, that's actually why people were eventually, um, saying this doesn't, um, you know, defy like people like Einstein was even very worried about this, right? He was he was saying because this was discovered when he was alive or or theorized when he was alive, right? And he was like, this is impossible because it can transmit information faster than the speed of light. And then eventually, people decided this actually you, there's no way to transmit information this way, right? And so that it doesn't um, defy the laws of special relativity. I mean, it is pretty fucking ridiculous the idea of transmitting information like yeah. uh, w- when you say terrified like because it it breaks like certain fundamental rules of existence and it's like what happens if well i guess then we just rebuild the model to accommodate for those rules did i say terrified <laughs> i thought so maybe not <laughs> I, I don't know i i mean i think einstein i i don't know no i think einstein just really believed that f- faster than the speed of light was a hard limit so you know he didn't like the idea that that there was something that could go faster information that could go faster. Yeah. Well, and, and again, it's interesting because like as students and most people's understanding of it, at least I think, I think that just from hanging out with you and Sam and, and some of our other friends who are, you know, more advanced in the sciences is like before I had that interaction with you guys, my understanding of the speed of light is like, I'm legitimately just thinking of, you know, basically a very small baseball traveling at a very fast speed. Mm-hmm. But what what you can like the actual speed of light is more like a ceiling it's like the speed of light is the the sort of speed at which happening happens it's the speed of existence really right i mean because you could always imagine a baseball going faster yeah you can always imagine a baseball going faster but but the speed of light is is not really i mean it is a speed but it's more than that it's it's like the the threshold of W- the length of time it takes existence to happen. A good I don't know metaphor, how to say A good it. metaphor I that I heard somewhere, it's like a, if you have like a, a super fast train, you know, circling the circumference of the earth and it, you know, gets up to just b- before the speed of light and there's like a, you know, someone on the train decides to start running forward on the train. Are they then adding to the, the you know, the speed of light? Right. No, they're not. I mean, because of the time dilation. Right. So, yeah, it's... Is that... Look at you. <laughs> a yeah, looking for validation. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
tell, I, tell yeah. me if I'm, you were saying, me if I, I'm good, science daddy. You're saying a, a train that's going close to the speed of light? <laughs> am and I, am I good, science daddy? Or, or going at the saying? speed of light? Not at close, close you know, the speed of light. As close yeah, as yeah, possible yeah. to the speed of light. And then someone stands up on the train and runs forward on it. Yeah, well, there's time dilation and also length contraction. Oh, just like my dick. Keep that in. I will. Oh, God. But... But yeah, I mean, an interesting thing to think about is that photons are, have not aged since the Big Bang because they travel at the speed of light. Oh, shit. Right. So, yeah. Of course. That's... <laughs> yeah. Another... Th- another, is, another that, th- is that why photon Doritos <laughs> still taste so good? <laughs> <laughs> another after you open the bag. <laughs> <laughs> um, another interesting thing is like... Um, I can't remember what I was going to say. God damn it. Oh, that's cool. Um, oh, I think another way of thinking about it is is just... If you look at the equations for special relativity, um, as you get closer and closer to the speed of light, you need like more and more energy to get higher in speed. Like It goes up exponentially. Oh. And so, yeah. You're talking about so like you a Zeno's paradox. Infinite, infinite energy... <laughs> what, I mean, related to Zeno's <laughs> paradox. it's also a paradox, and that's how it's related. Is it, wait, isn't Zeno's paradox like a half of a half and a half of a half of a half? Why is that, how is that related? To because this? it's like you need you need x amount more. You need x amount x amount more. You need x amount x amount. I'm just x saying that you more. need infinite energy to go yeah. at the speed of light. If you have mass, photons have no mass. That's why they can go at the speed of light. Nothing yeah. has that has mass can go at the speed of light because they need you need infinite energy. Yeah, I guess the reason I thought about it. As, like Zeno's paradox is I was thinking about the limit of a curve uh, approaching an asymptote. Uh-huh. Oh, God, I'm <laughs> sorry that I'm a fucking ignoramus. I'm, a, I'm approaching an asymptote right now. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. <laughs> okay. Um, and we're back. And we're back. Nothing compares. <laughs> so right. they, build, uh, they build the machine. The machine initially gets blown up by a religious fundamentalist played by Jake Busey, who is amazing. Yeah, it's pretty great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, memorable. That was the most memorable thing because he's sewn throughout the movie of like, this machine goes against old time Jesus. <laughs> Angry Jesus. I mean, it's another one of those issues with the movie where it's like, how did he get in there <laughs> like he's a crazy fundamentalist like well, he shaves his long hair off he wouldn't <laughs> yeah. have gotten in if you didn't have yeah, no hippies in here yeah um he's like one if, of the five people in that part of yeah, exactly the, yeah yeah oh it's man like, i'm a technician i mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um so I'm that a crusader for god <laughs> um so yeah it basically he he blows up the machine it turns out that the Japanese have built another machine, which is super racist, right? Like, did you guys feel like... This the, is, it's cleaner. Yeah, exactly. There was just, like, so much shit it's in there. It's more right. efficient, and it's yeah. more respectful of its elders. Yeah, there's, like, a lot of <laughs> bowing. I was just like, this is fucking a hot goosh of nonsense. Like, fuck this. There's a lot of... Yeah, th- there's a lot of... This movie has a lot of, like, I don't know what to call it exactly, like, goo in it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's like the scene when, like, they're walking, like, the two, like undifferentiated Asian Asian dudes who are like walking Jodie Foster into the machine and she like looks behind at one of them and he like nods at her like yes it is time it's like what the fuck does he know who is this guy yeah 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 Yeah. that's right he doesn't know shit get in the get in the space ball yeah yeah (laughs) um so then Jodie Foster goes through the machine and instead of it 
sort of zapping her through to another dimension or to another solar system or whatever, um, it basically gives her an 18-hour, like, psychic hallucination. She basically takes DMT. Like, like the machine is basically a oh, hit of DMT. A she goes through some wormholes, right? D- oh, Yeah, you she? missed that. You missed I, yeah, that I idea. forgot about that. She goes through wormholes. <laughs> Which she like, goes through a couple She even wormholes. says, like, I'm going through some kind of wormhole. I now. forgot about that. I'm that going was through so another wormhole. Stupid. And every okay, they're also, alive. She ends up on a beach where an alien intelligence in the form of her father comes and talks to her uh, and tells her like, "Yeah, we're going to send you more information. You're going to, you know, build some more shit and everything's going to be great. See you later." And then she lands. Nobody believes her except then it turns out that they do believe her. Um, is that a fair assessment of the plot turns of this movie? Turns out that they do believe her. Well, that, what does that mean? The, they're like congressional hearings of like, you say you were gone for 18 hours, but in real time, your machine just fell from the top to the bottom. It malfunctioned. Nothing happened. And that was the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a- Angela Bassett is like, who plays, is she the vice president in it? I don't know. Yeah. She sort of says to James Woods, who we didn't even talk about the fact that James Woods plays this like military lunatic, which I thought was great foreshadowing on who James Woods would one day become because he is like a fucking maniac right in real life yeah in real life i think that he's like a mega like lunatic he's a white nationalist yeah exactly he like really i don't know what the hell happened western civilization is being destroyed by brown babies yeah 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 (laughs) like boy to such a degree that i was sort of like is this some character you're playing that like you're gonna take your mask off and be like hey guys cast me in a movie i I actually was this was fake i think yeah i think you're right because it's you know it's so unusual to have you know old white men be you know just so taken in by trumpian (laughs) rhetoric and you know yeah no they're impervious (laughs) to it white national american white nationalism american fascism yeah um, so yeah, I, I think you're probably he's right. He's probably faking it. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that uh, yeah. So then Angela Bassett tells James Woods like, well, you know, yeah. She, in real time, outside of the the box, we saw the box that Jodie Foster was in just fall from from the sky and land. But the tape that she was recording, even though it was static, was 18 hours long. So there's, so her story is credible that she was gone down the wormhole for 18 hours. Right. Um, and we sort of leave it there. I think maybe she and McConaughey yeah. have another conversation. Do they bang it out? No. I can't remember. No, they don't see each other after that. Okay. Oh, no, no, they do. They have a kiss on the National Mall, don't they? I think they just get into a limo together. Yeah. They, That's I, before I, she leaves. I, for one, believe. Oh, oh, yeah, sir. Right. Yeah, I I thought it was implied that oh they were yeah about yeah to you're right. Downtown. I don't know. Am I am I wrong? In the backseat of like an armored <laughs> secret <laughs> an service arm, vehicle. <laughs> He's like in between like Clinton sex parties <laughs> <laughs> and like a McDonald's run. <laughs> it's just like I don't know. Yeah, the, 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 this seat is really sticky. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> um. I, yeah. You know, I just you know, Bill Clinton. He made the Democratic Party into the Republican Party, so the Republican Party was free to become the fascist. Yeah, the sewer of insane nonsense. Yeah, what the hell Thanks, Bill Clinton. fucking happened? Yeah, thank you, Bill Clinton. Fuck. Leading, leading from behind by failing. Well, I don't know. I mean... Let's get to the other... Let's get to... Let's... let's 
this is not necessary. This is a science fiction podcast. Let's keep it. <laughs> let's keep it firmly in the realm of the fact. Uh, All right, I hate you guys. Can we talk about the Fermi paradox? Yeah, yeah. I mean, go Fermi. I mean, yeah, Fermi. Enrico Fermi has my birthday, September 29th. Yeah, w- right, I, well, I wanted to talk about the Fermi yeah. paradox with this movie because, again, like Raph sort of talked about before, of like when you realize the impossibility of uh, sort of reaching. Well, not impossibility. Well, yeah. So, Imp- so you should explain it. Yeah, the the. Im- feasibility yeah thank you or, yeah implausibility i guess Hate but i mean <laughs> it um well first explain sorry, what it is. sorry okay so the, the fermi paradox is basically so enrico fermi probably one of the greatest physicists of the of the 20th century did did a lot of you know amazing work um you know theorized the weak interaction which is one of the four fundamental uh, forces um was big in the manhattan project kind of the father of nuclear physics he did a lot of stuff um but um Mussolini called him my Fermi oh <laughs> um so yeah and so but he also um you know created something called the Fermi paradox um it was a thought experiment basically saying you know there's actually in the movie they get it wrong they say there's 400 billion stars in the universe there's actually 400 billion stars in the galaxy whoa so there's and there's uh, like 100 billion um, galaxies in the observable universe in the observable universe yeah, yeah yeah so you know there's whatever uh 10 to the 22 or something um uh stars in the observable universe and uh so the question is 10 to the 22th power 20 yeah exactly uh so the question is like why are there no uh, why do we see no evidence of aliens basically like like you would imagine that some of these stars would have planets that are habitable uh some of them would have life some of that life would become intelligent and you know why don't we see a- any evidence of that um yeah and that's that's the basically the paradox he right? said it so that that aspect of it i happen to know of it as the drake equation so the drake equation is related to the uh, fermi paradox and that's um the drake equation is basically an equation that attempts to tell you how many uh I think civilizations you would expect to have like in, in our galaxy. Okay. And it's basically just uh, a series of um, uh, parameters that get multiplied by each other. Um, the, and you have to, and the question is, and the important thing is how do you estimate all these parameters? Right. So it's like the number of stars in the, in the galaxy times Easy. like the percent that have planets very different times the percent that have a uh, percent of planets that are, like potentially habitable yeah, within that within that range of s- distance from a star yeah yeah but we just i mean to have like liquid the, water of, of, yeah is liquid water um you know the only thing that can yeah then the, I mean, indu- inductive yeah to life there's issues like that and then you know yeah times like the um probability of life arising on a planet that is hospitable to it impossible to quantify yeah times the probability that like that life could become intelligent yeah, you know, so, so, yeah. so like, a bunch of these yeah. things. There's right? a few and unknowns. Some of them so, are so yeah, here's really, the thing. really hard to estimate. It's a right? very good like you know, heuristic. It's a really good idea. It's a good, it's a good like framework for but thinking like, about it. Yeah, but like, it's like if there's life on a planet over a long enough over a long enough scale, what's the probability of intelligent life arising? Is it fifty percent? It's over crazy over to, yeah. over four billion years. Is it point? zero 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 one percent who fucking knows we only have one 
only well, yeah, there's only one, one data example. There's one yeah. data point. Yeah. yeah, there's one datum, a single fucking datum. Yeah, which is crazy. Which is also one. Uh, it's also really elegant and beautiful. But yeah, I mean, I think that like using the most conservative estimates in the way I've seen it is like there's still at this point in history something like four million. The most conservative estimates like there's four million um intelligent spacefaring civilizations out there right now yeah i mean that makes some logical sense there's really? also an, uh, yeah i think so uh, I and mean, that's like a nice you don't think that's so what i saw that's not what you what'd saw? you see i am probably misremembering uh well i didn't do any research it's changed over time i think i think they the estimates used to be more um optimistic okay and then over time i think they've gotten more conservative even but um yeah even like four I million s- over the space of a hundred million galaxies in the observable universe is 100 billion 100 billion 100 billion galaxies in the observable universe and that's that's like nothing it's practically yeah. nothing it's small yeah but you know so i would have a better chance of hitting powerball oh yeah by <laughs> orders of magnitude my dude <laughs> right oh, but but so there's another issue though with uh so so part of the idea though is that if one of these you know civilizations became intelligent they could create these probes that could you know go to planets, uh, go to various like asteroids and planets and then replicate themselves so that they could slowly like span, you know, a large portion of, of the universe or galaxy, you know? And so, so then you have to ask the question, why don't we see like probes like this? Well, I don't know. That was, and that's, I mean, that was Fermi's original, the reason they called the Fermi paradox is like, that was his original point. I think I heard someone else quote it. So I don't know if this is accurate, but that they were like in the cafeteria, of the Manhattan project. And he was like, yeah, there's all these, you know, planets out there that are obviously, you know, capable of, uh, like whatever fostering some kind of intelligent life. So where is everybody? Yeah. Where is everybody? Where is everybody? And, and I think at least obviously the distances are insane and that's, but as you said, replicating probes, that might be something. Yeah. There's, I've heard people theorize. Well, I, I don't want to. Technological civilizations tend to extinct themselves. Well, that's there's the, a lot of the different, one. yeah, different theories. I mean, another one is that we're alone, right? Right. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. That, that's a possibility. But yeah, I mean, the the I technological mean, the, the estimates have gotten more conservative, and you know, some people, like pretty reasonable people, are claiming like that most likely we're just alone in the really? universe. Really, in yeah. the universe? Yeah. In the observable universe. In the observable universe. Okay. Yeah. I mean, which is pretty fucking wild. That is dark. <laughs> it's even weird. It's even weirder in some ways than us not being alone. Yeah. If you think I, about it, Do, well, does yeah, that, that make is, sense? Yeah, it, it's completely weirder. I have a harder time feeling comfortable with the idea that we're alone than I do with the idea that, like, okay, it's just an impossible distance, or that, like, yeah, you know, and uh, I don't know. I mean, there's also the what theory it, that it's that, like a prime directive you? thing. Right, yeah. that it's like there's a lot of theories. Yeah, there's wait, what's the prime directive? Okay, so the prime directive is a is a Star Trek thing. Star Wars. Yeah, sorry. Oh yeah, uh, that you can't mess with uh, young planets or something. Yeah, that you you know you can't interfere with a civilization that hasn't learned interstellar travel yet. Yeah, I mean I think that. So here, so I here's my feeling about this is that, um, I don't think that we live in a universe where there's many 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 civilizations yeah um because i i think that we would observe them like and i think that most of the claim the arguments that you can make 
that why we haven't evidence. observed them. Yeah, some would, evidence. Yeah, so so maybe most civilizations do extinct themselves, but but you, when you if there were enough, you would expect some of them to not, right? Yeah. Well, if there were a prime directive, you expect some civilizations to break it. Well, I mean, also that that it's just like even regardless of of whether or not they're actively breaking it, they would break it in that like their detritus would be radio yeah. waves that were very easily observable from our planet. That that's that might be hard. I don't know. I mean, it, you know, well, th- if they were far enough away and they don't have to be that far, they would get so small it'd be hard to observe them. And then you might you probably have to point them in the okay. in the right direction and and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so and to me, I mean, so the last one when you say extinct themselves, let's dig into that because it's actually really upsetting. Which is basically yeah. just like the distance it takes a species to evolve uh enough to create a weapon that would destroy itself is a much shorter like that span is maybe you know what like 10,000 well, 20,000 generations inherent in technology i think is the idea that in order to make it powerful enough to control to to modify the environment on scale certainly the human species has the power to extinct itself and it's not even like um We've had it for seventy yeah, years. Yeah, now. Not even, we're not yeah. even that far advanced. In fact, you know, there's another scale that I'm, I'm, I just occurred to me that I completely forgot the name of this. Where it's like there's stages at which like you can harness the power, entire power of the planet. Or type hi- one, type two, type yeah. three civilizations. What's that? What's that scale called? Do you guys remember? I, f- I feel like it's like the the Kerns. I don't know. I can no, tweet, yeah. tweet at us, dickheads. Yeah. Some what's Russian the like name. Asimov? <laughs> something scale yeah i, I know i was lenin. like if we started the uh, lenin, the lenin <laughs> stalin scale yeah five-year plan in four years <laughs> cultural revolution fine um, um but yeah we were not even at stage one no we're not even close to being so a type just one like the amount of the immense power of technology to be able to do that is also capable of destroying life totally well yeah Car- essentially kardashev scale the kardashev, kardashev scale thank yeah you. it's it's basically just that like you're capable of destroying yourself as a civilization or as a species a lot faster than you are capable of traveling between stars so it's just like and that right. distance is it's really hard to walk that tightrope but i don't find that really convincing either if there are many civilizations you i don't know i just feel like you would expect some of them to make it make it past that not be able to not kill themselves I, yeah i mean we'll see right it's it's a frightening prospect because we're in that yeah, part of the intelligence curve. is geared towards if anything it's geared towards self-preservation and that's pretty s- cynical to think that it's like necessarily there's some sort of like something close to an iron law that if you get to a certain point technologically you're dooming yourself yeah yeah i personally think that we are alone oh shit <laughs> you personally think that we're alone yeah, yeah me too so that uh, was interesting. The police just came <laughs> and raided this apartment and completely took everything except for the podcasting equipment. <laughs> Asher's in its boxers. Yeah. I don't know why they needed they, my pants. They, they missed the meth under the floorboards. Yeah, of I course. Don't know how. I mean, ostensibly they're going to come back and smoke it with us later. Yeah. Um, they yeah, said they a, a little wink. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they were I like, think it was a wink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty methed out, so it's hard for me to know. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're tweaking. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, I think we're alone. You, you really yeah, think too. we're alone? I see no reason to think otherwise. I think that if we were not alone, there would be at this stage, h- how much of the universe we observed, you'd have s- has some kind of information, s- more than zero information that there's other civilizations out there. Unless it's being suppressed. 
which yeah, is a but last. The, but no, but, but that's, that's a good, that, no, that's I mean, like a conspiracy. Wait, oh, oh, that's yeah. That's a conspiracy. Yeah. Oh, you mean by theory. the government? Yeah. Oh, oh okay. by the oh, okay. I, maybe by aliens. Who knows? Maybe, maybe God designed the universe <laughs> so that right? Doesn't that sound ridiculous? So <laughs> that's that there's just lots as of different civilizations, but He hides it from us by making by making a veil over. <laughs> you know the others, the other worlds, so that we so can all come to the truth equally and exactly of one another. I mean, us. that's another theory: is that there's actually a simulated universe that we're looking out at, right? Oh, that huh. aliens have created for us, and that's why we don't see all alien right. life. I mean, yeah, I also tend to think we're alone, and my argument is sort of that, um, you know, uh, let's say there's uh, so you know there's whatever there's ten to the twenty two. Um, stars out there let's say the probability of developing intelligent life is actually is actually we realize it's really you know let's say it's really 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 low it's 10 to the negative like 50 or something right okay yeah insanely low you don't really have to ask the question how is it that we ended up having intelligent life on this planet right because of the anthropic principle we ended up having intelligent life on the planet because we haven't because we have intelligent life on the planet because we're able to ask the question, right? Right. I'm. I, <laughs> n- I don't think I've ever been more of a had a mind meld with Alan. Raph's boner is visible through his pants. So Alan is exactly right. The whole c- category of intelligence in civilization is is it's solipsistic. It's uh, defined in a sort of recursive way that makes it what we are experiencing is given as a category. I think it is an accident. I think everything we're experiencing is a, is a natural phenomenon that is probably unique and certainly accidental and has no meaning beyond what we're experiencing right here right now as, as a species this is we this episode has taken a dark turn it's 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 only dark because we're so used to being coddled and thinking that there's like something that we are the universe's chance to experience itself it's like no we're just you know just it just happened this way yeah you can take the it family out of russia but you can't take russia out of the family word up like you think you are loved you are nothing yeah Get out of here. <laughs> you live in snowbank underneath garbage dump next door to nuclear waste site. Have a nice existence, which is definitely poisoned. Good day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. In a cosmic sense, yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I mostly sorry. agree with that. I mean, yeah, just to, to finish kind of my point is that if, if the probability of having um, intelligent life is way lower... Then, then, and and we're actually—it's very unlikely that we would have come into existence. You don't have to ask how did how did we end up coming into existence because we we have to be here to ask the question. Yeah, it's right? random. No, no, no. Oh, I'm, I, I'm saying yeah, we have to be. It's the anthropic principle. You know, it's in the anthropic principle. So we have to be like you. It doesn't make ever make sense to ask the question: Why are things the way that they are? Like the way that they are, such that we can ask the question: Why are we here? It's tautological. It, yeah. We they have to be that way because because that's the only way that we could ask the question. Okay, I right? understand. So, but there's uh, two two other possibilities. Another possibility is that the probability of intelligent life is is way um, smaller. Uh, sorry, it's way bigger, and actually, there's many civilizations. If that's the case, then you have to ask the question: Why don't we see them? So it seems unlikely. And then the other possibility is that okay, there's just a small number, right? That would be such a weird coincidence that like the probability 
of having intelligent life was just like almost exactly, you know, one over the number of stars in the observable universe such that, you know, we would just get a couple civilizations, yeah. you know, in the universe, right? So, yeah, that's yeah, my... That's my, interesting. My, I hadn't thought about that. Oh, yeah, I hadn't thought about that either. That's my basic argument for why I think we're alone. <laughs> oh, God. Well, you know, this also is like, you gave me a similar argument as to why you thought that mankind would likely die out years ago because you were like well if you look at like the curve you're like what's the likelihood that your lifetime would happen right in that meaty part of the curve when we discovered how to extend you know our civilization kind of uh eternally or like you know right yeah and i was like oh yeah i guess that is really unlikely and you're like yeah that's why it's more likely that we probably will kill ourselves soon or wipe ourselves out yeah Oh God! Yeah, or just yeah. There's other possibilities. Maybe that we become a much smaller civilization. Like, like there are some catastrophes that cause us to become a much smaller civilization. Maybe for they can go on for a much longer period of time. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, it just that also works. I think it, it just you know there's no how do you guys there's no, sleep there's at no, night? No, I mean, it's very easy because actually it makes it very easy to sleep on a mountain of skulls underneath <laughs> a fucking blanket of money. It's like we have no no indication there's no evidence that this is something that happens outside of us right there's no evidence that this is something that happens outside of us none no right so yeah. what's you know what is our basis for speculating that this happens if you want to speculate that it happens you you have to all the alien people or whatever have to fill in and we can get get into the reasons for that why they do that with like a mountain of unverifiable unsupported baseless make-believe yeah you just what it is yeah you structure it's not bad to tell stories nonsense on top of nonsense on top of nonsense until you have you can't insist on it that's how things are you can't insist on that yeah i understand what you're saying it's fine to postulate it's fine to say like okay well this is a probability or possibility of some some measure but it's not you can't insist that's the way things are i just want to go on record as saying that i'm hopeful that there is life out there and uh beam me up space jesus <laughs> i think it would, would be, be super nice. cool i think it'd be great if we got contacted by alien life i'd have yeah. a, i'd be really interested to see how that played out yeah me too i just am with alan that i this is interesting i wasn't expecting us to be in accord on this that there's no reason to believe whatsoever that there are any other intelligent civilizations wow all right fair enough i mean it makes you guys make a compelling argument for this which is makes it even more upsetting yeah, it's weirder that it's weirder that we're yeah. alone than we're not. To be yeah. honest, yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's yeah. it is. It's weirder if we're alone than not being alone. Yeah, but you know, kill your ego. Try and think of this just in terms of, you know, how how to uh, rationally and you it's know be critically approach <laughs> existence as we understand it, or the state of things as we understand it, and that this is the debate that's very mired in our species solecism and our ego yeah and our need to create narratives that comfort us in some some degree this is a very uh very sort of like obvious manifestation of all those yeah yeah uh, it's gonna be tough so, i'm gonna have a hard have time a good super bowl sunday <laughs> yeah <laughs> enjoy the big game you maggot shots <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't, so, yeah, so smoke them if you got them, yeah. fucking light whatever cars are on your block on fire, yeah. 
Um, because it really because sure. it really means something. Yeah, because you did it. Because your team winning means something. <laughs> <laughs> it means a lot. All right, should we throw it to endorsements or? I've got a round table. Oh fuck, I have a good one too. Okay. But yeah, you go. I mean, I'll save mine for another episode. Right. So, how many times have you been abducted by aliens? <laughs> and would you say, on the average, that it improved your life or not? <laughs> I mean, oh god, every day. All right. Okay. Um, and around yeah. the same time, the, yeah, about the same time. Okay. Um, do you think you might just be like falling asleep or maybe having <laughs> grand mal seizures or something? <laughs> Have you talked to a doctor about this? Oh God, it's it's right about it's the like time I, that, that like I, I guess my I've sinuses so are very dry that I get the um, nice silver ring right. around my nose and mouth, yeah. like a nice like a uh, kid having drunk too much fruit punch. I think this probably has nothing to do with the open buckets of turpentine that are scattered throughout <laughs> your house. <laughs> I just don't think it has anything to do with you being a talk about aliens. Yeah. Um, did you actually have a roundtable question? No, that was it. All right. Uh, endorsements? Um, Rajasthani food. Cool. Alan, you got any endorsements this week? Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting I'm getting more nerdy these days. Um, what, you know, last week we did um, Interstellar, and uh, for that I read most of the Science of Interstellar, the book. Yeah, and I enjoyed reading that so much that I, um, I went back. You know, I was like, I getting into pop physics a bit more, um, and I went back and re-listened to this audio book um, that I listened to like a year or two ago. Um, by uh, it's called um, it's it's a uh, from the Great Courses series. Oh, nice. Um, and it's yeah, called advertise on our podcast, Great Courses. <laughs> we love you. Do they do? Yeah, yeah, some? they do. Um, it's called the Mysteries of Modern Physics, Time, and um, you know, it's narrated by Sean Carroll, who's a you know a, a <clears throat> professor at Caltech and a great kind of science communicator, science writer, <clears throat> and um. And it's really great. It's about the era of time and where the why time seems to go forward, but you can't go back in it. Whereas you know, in space, you can go, you know, this way and that. Um, Hither and yon. Yes, and uh, you know, it's it's really interesting. You know, in order to answer the question, you need to talk about quantum mechanics and black holes and the Big Bang and entropy and a lot of different things from like a lot of disparate parts of of, of uh, physics and. Um, they talk about theories of like what happened before the Big Bang, where the Big Bang came from, um, like like the best theories today. So it's it's really interesting, uh, really well done. Um, you know, Sean Carroll he he does a lot for uh, to try to communicate ideas to people who have no kind of uh, prior experience with them. But then he also throws in a lot of interesting stuff for people who are like more familiar. So it's it's a really great uh, audiobook. Yeah, awesome. Um, yeah, and my endorsement is uh, an exhibition that's on in New York now, uh, and it's up until, actually, probably it'll be closed because it closes February 16th um, at the Bryce Wolkowitz Gallery, and it's this artist, Oliver Jeffers, um, and it's kind of, it's a very romantic view of being alone in the universe. It's like a lot of astronaut imagery and um, flame paintings. I don't know how to describe it other than to say like, I think it deals with a lot of the themes that we talk about on the show, especially this episode. Actually, yeah. It's pretty in line with it. Alan and I went uh, earlier this weekend because obviously we spend all of our time <laughs> together. Don't post it on Instagram. Just go see it and smile. Actually do post it on Instagram. His work is great. Yeah. Right? I, yeah, it's great. I Like there's a, 
a painting of two astronauts uh it's gonna sound stupid i feel like but two astronauts like in the ocean holding holding, a, a, holding a burning piano and then behind them the titanic is sinking yeah and it's um yeah it was just it's, so it's, lovable yeah all right cool <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right yeah, cool. Th- thanks for tuning in guys um thanks so much you can follow us on twitter i'm um, at asher lack at highly affiligent at have a cool penis <laughs> and you can don't tell my parents <laughs> don't <laughs> tell my can, parents about my twitter <laughs> you can follow the show uh at robot house pod and house is spelled h-a-u-s all right until next time guys thank you so much uh, see ya bye